It's the final days of six-year no-interest financing at Palo Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Upgrade that leaky, squeaky patio door from just $84 a month. Set your free consultation now at 855-PALA-WI. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the program. So very glad to have you with us. Yes, 95 degrees outside. I never complain. Somebody who does not like cold weather, I never complain when it's warm. But if you're out and about today, just be careful. Stay hydrated. All right. This is every once in a while. I I watch people do things and you think, why why do you think that's clever? I, I was telling the story last week when we were there covering the, the Bucks Parade. And, and I was out on, uh, we're on these risers on this great stage. Everybody's having a great time. And the parade is going to go past um, where we are, which is Kilbourne and Water Street downtown. Kilbourne being an east-west street, Water Street being a north-south street. And so I, I'm watching as, as people are coming for the parade. There, there's this guy, I told this story last week, who's out on a median street strip in uh, again on, on the intersection so he's kind of on he's on this median strip that's on Kilbourne and I'm watching him because he has this giant round mirror that is velcroed to his wrist and what he is doing is he is trying to reflect the sun off the mirror and and point it at cars that are driving on Kilbourne and, and and the only reason you're doing that is you're trying to blind the drivers. And I'm sitting there watching this, and I'm thinking, first of all, what is he doing, and, and why is he doing this? Is the purpose that you want to blind some driver so the person loses control and, and piles into people that might be gathering on the parade route? I mean, but it, it's like, what sort of person does this? And And then because he was having trouble getting the angle there. Then he decides it's going to be clever. And so I, I'm up on the stage with uh, Steve Scafidi and Sherwin Hughes from The Truth. And so then the guy tries to, like, reflect the sun and see if he can, like, point it at us so it's in our faces. And, I'm, again, I'm thinking, okay, this how pathetic and sad is your life that this is what you, you do for fun, that you're trying to, again, blind drivers or, hey, there's these people up on the stage. Let me see if I can flash this in their face. So there's stuff that happens that I, I never – ever, ever understand. And and here's another one of these stories. Okay, um, United Airline flight um, heading, um, it's at San Francisco International Airport, and it's going to be flying to Orlando. Plane full of, of people. And do you know what airdrop is? Airdrop is one of these apps, I guess, you can get on your phone. And, and what happens is if, if you've got Airdrop and there's people that are close to you in close proximity, I mean, you can send something to them without having to have, like, their email address and stuff like that, as long as everybody's on Airdrop. And I'm I'm oversimplifying that. But, it's again, it's, it's a way that you can get messages to people um Easier. So apparently what happens is there's a number of people that are sitting um, on on this airline waiting to take off. And all of a sudden, dozens and dozens of them get the same message that shows what appears to be a gun on it. And that noticeably freaks a lot of people out. 
after they get this picture of what appears to be a, a gun. And so what happens is they, they, everybody on the aircraft is forced to deboard, go through screening a second time. Well, as it turns out, you've got some punk teenager who has on his phone has got a picture of what turns out to be an airsoft gun, you know, one of the things that shoots pellets, but very realistic looking. And this kid thought it would be funny to take this message and airdrop it and see how many people on the plane could get this. <laughs> okay, well, you, you did it, and yes, you delayed the flight for two and a half hours, and you inconvenienced all sorts of people, but why do you do something like this, for goodness sakes? What do you think that you are going to be you know, uh, accomplishing? And the answer is um, no. I mean, the, the, the answer is you're not accomplishing anything a- at all, but yet that's what people do. All right. First controversy I want to talk about. It comes from the village of Whitefish Bay, where I lived for almost 30 years. If you haven't seen the story, Journal Sentinel had a big story on it, and I'm curious as to how you feel about the reaction. All right, the Whitefish Bay Library is on one of the the main drags, kind of a north-south street, going you know through the village of Whitefish Bay, and in front of the library. In May, apparently people involved with the library decided to partner with this organization that calls itself Bay Bridge, Wisconsin. And I think it would be fair to say that Bay Bridge, Wisconsin, could be described as kind of a liberal activist group. They, they claim to be non-political, but if you, if you, if you look at the website, it, it supports a lot of what we would classically say are, are liberal causes. No problem, no problem with that. So in any event, they, they, they've done, the library has done other projects with them. And the Bay Bridge, Wisconsin folks come to this little area that's outside of the library where kids play and stuff like that. And they say, we, we want to, we want to put up a sign. And the library said, okay, fine, go put up a sign. And this is what the sign says outside the public library. Our vision, Whitefish Bay will be a welcoming community that recognizes systematic racism and actively works to address and dismantle it. How will you be a bridge in helping to repair and build a more equitable community? Our vision, Whitefish Bay will be a welcoming community that recognizes systematic racism and actively works to address and dismantle it. How will you be a bridge in helping to repair and build a more equitable community? Right, so they put that sign up there, and shortly after it goes up, a, a number of people start to complain. They, they say, they say, okay, wait, wait a, you know, wait a minute here. Um, what, what, what's going on here? Because the, the assumption of the sign is that there is such a thing as systematic racism that our community, being Whitefish Bay, needs to work to address and dismantle it, and that, you know, we need to repair our our community and turn it into a more equitable community. Right, so a number of people say, wait a second, you know, we, we've lived in Whitefish Bay for, for years, and, you know, we haven't seen any examples of systematic weight racism. Um, you know, we, we haven't seen a need for the, if there's not systematic racism here in the first place, why should we actively work to address it and dismantle it? And you know, what's going on here? So a number of the residents complain, and the library in response says, okay, well, um, you know, we're, we're going to remove the, the sign, and before we put up signs in the future, we're going to, you know, develop some sort of sign policy, and we're going to have, have standards 
in order to avoid this. Now, this is getting extra attention because one of the people objecting is, is Steve Novak, who is um, Mark, former Marquette University basketball star. He played for the in, in the NBA, and, and he's a resident of Whitefish Bay. And he's one of the ones who's saying, look, I, I mean... What, you know, what, what's going on here and, and why are we giving this, this one group, this Bay Bridge, Wisconsin, which, again, I think it's fair to describe them as sort of an activist liberal group. Why, why are we letting them speak for the whole community? So the library says they're going to take down the sign. That then generates a ton of response from people who say, well, what, what's the matter with, with this sign? I mean, uh, you know, what, why shouldn't we say that we want to be a welcoming community that recognizes systematic racism? What, what's wrong with this? And, you know, we're not really saying the community is racist. We're just saying that there's racism in the system. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My comment on this is, what were people at the library thinking when they put this sign up in the first place? And given, regardless of whether you believe in systematic racism or not, to view this sign as something that that's well completely benign and not making a, a political statement, I think is naive at its best. And, and yes, you need standards. And what if somebody else put up a, a sign with a, a message that would be, I don't know, opposing this? I mean, at what point in time do you say enough is enough? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. They they shouldn't have put this sign up in the first place. And yes, they they need standards. And to say that this really isn't trying to make a political point, well, I'm I'm, I'm sorry, I I don't I don't buy it. And if you're going to have signs like this, at least it should be put up with, at least in my opinion, some sense of the community's agreement. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I think, like I say, naive at best for the library not to recognize that this was going to be an issue. Steve in Milwaukee. Steve, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, uh, yeah, you know what I really feel is that this is a classic case of the woke community overestimating white guilt. The assumption was Whitefish Bay is uh, affluent, it's rich, and so therefore they have this terrible guilt, and they're more than happy to pay for it and acknowledge it. And the people of Whitefish Bay said, no, wait a minute, we we haven't acted this way, and for you to assume that guilt onto us and to go ahead and speak for us as if we have to uh, show attrition, no. Yeah. No, I think I, I think you're that. I think you're exactly right, and and Whitefish Bay is about eighty seven percent white, and and minorities make up the balance of that. But yeah, I, I think that there was this assumption there that gee, everybody is going to buy into this idea, and and this is going to be the the status quo, and and a lot of people don't, and, it, and it's not saying that they're you know that they're supporting racism or anything like that. It's just saying, hey, look, we we're 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 not on board with like what you're talking about that this white guilt and stuff as expressed in in this. And to try to explain the sign away as being a non-political statement, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I just don't see it. We're having these ongoing discussions nowadays about, you know, teaching the, 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 the racism theory and stuff like that. This is this sign sort of that, that represents that well, type of thing. If I, if I can add, the, the word that the sign got wrong was systematic. That's the word that Whitefish Bay took exemption to, because it means as soon as you walk out of your door, you're contributing to the problem as a white person. That's what they took exception to. Yeah. No, I think, well, yeah, thanks. Right. Exactly. I mean, exactly. If you were, if this was a a broader sort of, of statement or 
a positive sort of statement and and by saying okay you know we we you know whitefish bay you know we we promote a welcoming environment and we you know we worship diversity or something like that it's it's less of a message than this. How will you be a bridge in helping to repair and build a more equitable community? Well, the only interpretation of that is, hey, you need to do something because we do not have an equitable community. We have a community that is in disrepair. And and, and maybe you can make that argument. But a lot of people are going, hey, we've lived in this community our entire life. We have not seen examples of that. And we resent one self-proclaimed group deciding to speak for everybody. And again, to me, incredible naivety on the part, uh, naivete on, on the part of the library for just kind of not recognizing that this was going to be a problem. And I do think it goes back to this larger issue. If you are going to start erecting signs on public property that have political messages, whether the groups that are putting them up there or not want to say they've got political messages, but well, you, you've got to have some standards that, that do it. So Whitefish Bay got it wrong in letting the sign be posted in the first place. They got it right by putting it down and saying, okay, we're going to take a step back and figure out what we're going to do next. And as far as the people who complained, all right, they're, they're not racists. What In fact, they're, they're just saying, look, we're not going to allow one group of people to speak for this community, and I, I think they get points for that. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Here's a text, Jeff. These more left-leaning or liberal organizations are feeling that they can tell people, organizations, or communities anything they want. They have been emboldened and do not believe they have to ask permission. Now, in, in this case, I think the, the this liberal organization got, got permission. I just can't believe that the library didn't realize what it was getting themselves into. And the texter continues, I'm personally sick and tired of automatic assumptions that everything or everyone is bad in some way. Right, And this is an extension of what's going on in this, this whole debate about critical race race theory, and I don't know that we've ever really talked about it on, on this program in any great length, just because critical race theory is, of course, the, the teaching that says that, okay, the system is is racist and that um, people of color have been discriminated against for hundreds of years, and it, it, it depending on, on who you look at and how the curriculum is drawn up, that you know you, that everything is a product of racism in the world, and it's a very very controversial theory. And I, I guess. I've I've never really weighed in on it one way or the other because I, I think it's individual curriculums that should be determined by individual um, school boards. And, and obviously, I have no problem with teaching race relations, especially from a social studies or history possible, uh, perspective. I, I do think this idea that we start off with th- this is a racist world and, you know, that, that I think is a bad way to start off. But... This is just an emboldenment and an embodiment of that sort of thing. And I think communities need to be really careful before they end up embracing this. Hey, you know, we talk a lot about crime on this program. And, and Lord knows, in Milwaukee, there there is a ton of crime. But the one thing that we can be glad of is that we do not live in Chicago. The stories are just uh, amazing. Uh, in Chicago, 
thus far this year, and we are, what, we're just wrapping up July, there have been 137 shootings. Now, not 137 shootings in Chicago. 137 shootings on Chicago-area expressways this year. On the freeways surrounding Chicago, there have been 137 shootings. For example, on Thursday... They, they, they had they had a couple. First expressway shooting, an unidentified male driver crawling along in rush hour traffic on I-290 witnessed a robbery taking place on a Chicago Transit Authority platform. The driver pulled over to the shoulder, exited the vehicle, and opened fire. All right. The second incident happened when a 22-year-old passenger in a vehicle traveling southbound on I-94 was shot after someone in another vehicle opened fired. 137 shootings in Chicago area expressways. There were 128 expressway shootings in Chicago in all of 2020. And then the, the story I'm looking at in the Chicago Tribune just goes through one story after another about bull, bullet-ridden cars. And and it's not necessarily even road rage that, that's going on there. Some of them are precipitated by somebody getting upset after somebody else has cut them off. But in many of the cases, what, what you've got is you've just got people who – I don't know, think it's cool or think it's fun to pull out guns and start start shooting at other sorts of vehicles. And now we have a degree of that here in Wisconsin and particularly in the Milwaukee area. As, as, as it seems that we were going through a period of time where it seems like at least once or twice a week during this program, you know, you'd have examples of sections of the freeway being closed down for what they determined to be a, a law enforcement activity. And more often than not, that means that there were shots fired on the freeway and they have to close it down. So the sheriff's deputies go and accumulate evidence and things like that. We, we don't have anywhere near 137. But again, you've got this senseless, stupid, violent that is going on there and it's it's not just outside bars at two o'clock in the morning it's at one o'clock in the afternoon on freeways where you've got people with the impulse control of fruit flies no regard for human life at all and no thought beyond okay what's going to happen in the moment who are shooting at other people it's happening in chicago it happens here and unfortunately it's beyond the ability of um, law enforcement at least right now to get it under control so whenever you're frustrated about crime in milwaukee okay i understand it i get it i'm with you but the one saving grace is at least we're not in chicago jeff wagner on wtmj Okay, let's start with a couple basic premises. First of all, you do not have a right not to be offended. That That's just, there, there's so many people out there who, who just, as I describe them, the politically correct and the perpetually offended, wake up every day looking for something that is going to offend them. And you, you do not have a right to not be offended. That's just kind of, that's life. Also, having no class is not a crime. There's all sorts of people that do stuff, and you say, man, what a no-class 
what a no class action. But that that is not necessarily a crime. And and I was thinking about that another story from the parade. And by the way, I hate to tell some of the, these like negative stories because like the the Bucks championship parade was just just great. It was a once in a hopefully I'd say once in a lifetime, but hopefully like a once every, every year sort of thing. But when we're down there in the crowd, and these are people of all ages that are down there. A lot of folks are down there with their kids. There's a guy on on one of the street corners right by where we are, and he's selling T-shirts that he has made up, and the T-shirts on the front of them say Greek, and then it's got the F word, and then freak, you know, and it, and, and he's, you know, he's waving the, these T-shirts around, and it says something on the back that I can't say on the radio either, and I'm thinking, all right, well, I guess he's got a right to do it, but, you know, who's... Who's down there selling T-shirts and sticking that? You're, you're down there to celebrate the Bucks championship, and you're, you've got your six and your eight-year-old kids that are down there, and you've got some idiot that's standing on the corner trying to peddle these these T-shirts with obscenities on them. And I just I thought it was a kind of a no-class move, but not having class. That's not a. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't be able to buy those T-shirts if they wanted, but you know, in the context of people who were around there and stuff. Again, I thought it was a no-class move, but that's not, that is not a crime. I understand that people are supercharged when it is, when it comes to politics. I have been doing a radio show in this market for a, a long time. I remember, I remember what people said about Bill Clinton. I remember definitely what people said about George Bush, especially, you know, in, in the aftermath of the Iraq war. I, I remember what people would say about Barack Obama. I certainly remember about the things that were said about Donald Trump. So, and, and it comes from both sides. It seems like if your guy isn't in power, well, then you're just outraged by the person that is. So it, it comes from the left and right. This is not political, what we're going to talk about, at least in my opinion, it's not political, which brings me to the story out of out of a suburb of of New Jersey, Roselle Park. It's it's like it's a little village. Now, here's the deal. There's this lady um, and her. She hates Joe Biden. She just her name is Andrea Dick, diehard supporter of Donald Trump, hates Biden thinks that Biden stole the election, can't believe that he is the president. Okay, all, all well and good. Well, her mother lives on a, a main street going through the, this borough in Whitefish Bay, Whitefish Bay this borough in, in New Jersey. And she's got a big fence in front of her yard. And so Andrea goes over to mom's place and starts putting up signs on on the fence or banners, and you can buy a lot of these a- banners through Amazon. But um, some of them, like to give you an idea, some one says, "Don't blame me, I voted for Trump." Okay, it, it's it's stuff like that. And there's there's ten different signs that she put up puts up. Well, and they range from "Don't blame me, I voted for Trump," to of the ten signs. Three of them have obscenities in them, and, and typically it's the F word, you know, blank Biden. Big block letters put up on, on the streets. And so any passerby, anybody that's driving down the public street, you're, you're going you're gonna to see this sign that's got the, the, the obscenities on it. Well, um, this particular community in New Jersey, they have, they have an ordinance. And, you know, the ordinance prohibits the display or exhibition of obscene material. So a number of the neighbors complain, not about all 10 of the banners, 
but about the three of the ten that have the words that I can't say on the radio and that you can't, you know, that they, they don't put on TV and that most newspapers rarely, rarely use. But they're they're up there on, on display, you know, blank Biden, blank Trump, whatever that could be. In this case, it's blank Biden. So the, the authorities in this town go to the lady and they say, look, you're – your, these three of these 10 banners are in violation of our obscenity ordinance, and you're going to have to take them down. You can keep the other ones up, but you're going to have to take these down. She says, no, I'm not going to take them down. So they give her a, they give her a citation. She goes to court, and the municipal judge says, nope. He said, look, here, here's the problem. The use of these vulgarities are exposing elementary age children to that word every day as they pass by the residents. Freedom of speech is not simply an absolute right. The case is not about politics. It's a case pure and simple about language. There are alternate methods for her to express her pleasure or displeasure with certain political figures in the United States. So the guy says, look, you got to take this down. And if you don't, you know, you're going to be fined. He says, look, we're not restricting political speech but we're restricting the language that you can use in advocating your political speech. Um, and so th- this is where it stands now. Now, the New York Times on Sunday, Sunday's New York Times is a big editorial denouncing this ruling, saying it's every American's right to curse the president. Well, maybe it's every American's right to curse the president. But is there is there a time and place because you want to say this about the president, do you have an absolute right to display your displeasure in words that most of us would consider to be inappropriate on on public banners, put on signs visible to kids? All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I confess I've been, I've been waiting several days to discuss this with you because I'm really curious where people come down. On the one hand, you know, yes, the, you, you know, it's free expression, no question about it. On the other hand, I guess the question is, does, is the First Amendment, does this lady have this absolute right? Or does the community have a right in saying, look, there, there's certain community standards. You can say you, you hate Biden. You can say you hate Trump. But do you, is there any and should there be any limitations on the way that you express that? Or are there no standards anymore, essentially? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'll tell you where I come down on this, and we're going to discuss it in a couple minutes. I mean, what, what do you think? And, and imagine this scenario. Think about your neighborhood. And, and if you have kids or your grandkids, you've got the, the, the person across the street that doesn't like Biden or doesn't like Trump or, or whatever, and has got the signs with the obscenities up there so that every time your kids leave the house to walk to school or your grandkids come over to see grandma and grandpa, this is these big signs across the street or next door in using language that, you know, you, you would not use probably, in front of your 8 or 9 or 10-year-old kid. 855-616-1620. Who's right, who's wrong? We discuss. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Jeff in Fox Point. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Jeff. If I stood out on my porch and repeatedly yelled, politician X, yeah, 
And um, that would re- that would result in the police coming over and likely giving me a disorderly conduct citation. And I think what this lady has been doing is a written version of disorderly conduct. And I think the court's got it right, and she should not be allowed to do this. Well, see, I, thanks for calling. I mean, I, again, I, I think that that raises an interesting thing. Now, it's one thing. All right. The, the question is, are there limits to political speech? See, there's this 1971 Supreme Court case that, that had a – the guy was a Vietnam War protester. And, and on his jacket, he was walking around, and he had a patch, and it used that word in reference to the, the draft. Blank the draft. Stop the war. Okay. And, and so that they gave him a citation for, uh, again, disorderly conduct. And the court said, no, it's protected. I, I, but, but this, I, I think number one is different. And number two, I, I think maybe it, it's time to revisit that if this is how it's going to be applied. See, I, I agree with you. You, you could not, if you wanted to stand in your front lawn, and scream at the top of your lungs, you know, that word, and whether you want to scream at, at and direct it to a local official or the president of the United States, regardless of who the president of the United States is. See, that's why, to, to me, this isn't a Republican or Democrat thing. It's, it's a question of, does a community have any right to have any sort of standards at all? Um, and, and that's, that, th- I think that, you know, we say that there are limits to the First Amendment. You can't, you can't be disruptive. You can't stand up and what's the common example? You can't scream fire in a crowded theater. Um, to me, now this isn't screaming fire in a crowded theater, but at the same time, you are exposing, in this case, children and, and other adults to something that by, I think by all standards, still remains a, an obscenity. And I just, I picture this and I'm thinking, okay, if you're, you've got the grandkids coming over and this lady lives across the street from you, or, you know, you've got to walk by or drive by this on a daily basis to get the kids to school or whatever, or forget even kids. I mean, I, I look, I understand that, that standards have changed. I understand that there is language which is used in, in private conversations and on cable television and things like that. There, there, there's language which is used today which you, you would not have used as often, you know, in, in 10 or 20 or 30 years ago. So I, I get it. And this isn't about being a prude, but it is about, a, to me, a question of whether a community has the right to have you know, certain standards. And I think, you know, it, it does. Um, that, you know, you, it's one thing, if you want to have political signs that are out there, that, that's okay. I mean, and there's no problem with that. And you can certainly have, to me, political, political signs that are critical of, a, of a current administration. But, you know, I think that there have to, and I think a community should have a right to have certain limits of that. Now, here's a text that says a double standard. I don't know. So, Jeff, once again, there seems to be a double standard. When people were criticizing or name-calling President Trump, it was okay no matter what. It didn't matter whether it was written or verbal and public property or not. Now it's apparently not okay with this president. No, and I, I want to respond to that because I, I don't think that's the case. I think it, it's always not been okay. And I think you have to have certain standards. Some people would say that as long as it is political speech, we can't have any limitations on it at all, that the First Amendment has to be absolute, to which I would say, look, you're you're talking to somebody who makes his living five days a week, three hours a day under the embrace of, of the First Amendment. 
but even at that, there there are limits as to what you you know what you can do. And and yes, I, I treasure the First Amendment, but at the same time, I, I think you know we need to move. Uh, we, we we've just we become so desensitized to stuff that I think most people would find to be not just uh, offensive, not just off-putting, but things that you know you don't necessarily want to be exposed to. And I'm not talking about like bad ideas or whatever. But if you strike this down, this obscenity ordinance, what what does that mean? Does does it mean like that anything goes at all? Could you use? Let's say, all right, let's say you wanted to send the same message, but instead you wanted to direct it to, okay, the local grocery store. So instead of saying blank Biden, you're saying, you know, blank Frank and Harry's grocery store. All right, if you could stop people from saying that second thing, shouldn't you be able to stop them from saying the first? Do we have no standards at all? because it's political speech. And my answer would be no, that, that's at least not what the law should be. You should feel free to criticize your elected officials. You should feel free to express your displeasure in very, very strongly worded terms. But when you start going into the public thoroughfare and putting these signs up there, it's not like you're going to City Hall and expressing this opinion. It's not like you're writing a letter to the editor of newspaper. It's not like you're writing a blog post. It's not like you're doing a podcast. You're putting this up, again, in a public thoroughfare where kids and other people are going to pass i they're going to challenge this the aclu interestingly is going to come to the defense of this lady um they're going to say no the government has no right in putting any restrictions at all on on speech as long as it is politically based i hope that's not the state of the law back with more in just a minute And this is Jeff Wagner, so very glad to have you with us. I, I'm not surprised. Um, the the TV ratings are in. Of course, the Olympics started over the weekend. The Tokyo Olympics opening ceremony, which, of course, were delayed a year because of COVID, drew 16.7 million viewers for NBC on Friday. That is the smallest audience for a, the network broadcast of the opening night of the Summer Olympics in the past 33 years. The TV audience dropped 37% from the Rio de Janeiro opening ceremony in 2016 when 26.5 million watched. It dropped 59% from 2012 when 40.7 million people watched the London opener. Now, they, they did have streaming, but streaming didn't didn't make up for anywhere close to that. So I, you really got to feel bad for the Tokyo organizers. The, they, the estimates are that they dropped about 20 B as in billion dollars in, in staging the, these games and through no fault of their own because of, you know, COVID and because of the COVID regulations and the fact that you can't have tourists coming in from out of the country. And now you can't have people, you know, in Japan attending the vast majority of the events. And so you have the athletes that are participating in empty venues. I understand that there's, I mean, some people who are just watching for the games and don't care. But from the perspective of the organizers, it, it's just 
it's just flat out not the same. Maybe it's the fact that the Olympic Games were delayed a year. Maybe there's just all the other stuff that's going on. But these games, at least from a viewer's perspective, turning out to be a, a huge, huge bust. Now, it's not saying that things you know can't turn around over the course of you know the next week or two, but at least the initial number is not good at all. And you wonder what that's going to mean for the Olympics in general moving forward. Is this going to be the start of a trend, or is just what happened in Tokyo, is this just kind of a one-off, and will things be better by 2024? Don't know. All right, a lot of stuff coming up on the program. Don't go anywhere. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I wonder if people understand what's going on with the, the Joseph Mensa case. Joseph Mensa, of course, is the former Wauwatosa police officer who's now still working in law enforcement in a different community who was involved in, in three shootings in five years. Uh, and in, in all three cases, the district attorney in Milwaukee County, John Chisholm, investigated the shootings and determined that the shootings were appropriate and that there was not a basis to bring criminal charges. So the question is, well, what's going on here? Well, in one of the shootings, the shooting of a guy named Jay Anderson uh, back in 2016, and this was the case where Mensa came upon him and he was, I think he was in his car. It was late at night. He was in Hart Park in Wauwatosa, had a gun next to him. And Mensa's story is that um, he was reaching for the gun, and that's why he, he, he fired. So the district attorney's office investigated and determined that there was not a basis to bring criminal charges. Under normal circumstances, that, that ends the, the inquiry. But as we all know, Joseph Mensa is, is a lightning rod for various sorts of uh, allegations and concerns. So the the family of the man that was killed, they have an attorney, and they were petitioning the court to essentially overrule the district attorney. Wisconsin law says that if a DA um, refuses or is unable to issue a complaint, a circuit judge may permit the filing of a complaint. So that would mean the circuit judge essentially has the right to overrule a district attorney's decision not to issue charges, because that's what's happened here. The DA refused to issue charges. How would that work in a practical matter? Well, the district attorney, the judge would then appoint a, a special prosecutor to come in and, and prosecute the case, to act instead of the district attorney. To do that, though, the judge has to find that the district attorney was wrong, that there is probable cause to believe that the person should be charged with an offense. As a practical matter, this almost never happens. Now, now sometimes... What happens is you get one DA that makes a decision and, and maybe, you know, a couple years later, there's a new DA that revisits this. And as long as it's within the statute of limitations, they, they, they go ahead and they, they might rethink it. Sometimes that happens um, after years. Remember, that, that was the Bill Cosby case. One district attorney reviewed the case, determined that there was no basis to bring charges. And then years later, another DA decides to take a different position and, and bring charges. That ultimately gets reversed. This is different because this would be the judge disagreeing with the district attorney and saying, I, I think there needs to be charges. My my sense, my, my guess is, my guess is the chance of this happening is slim to none. Um, I think that 
if you look at the various evidence, you, you can certainly understand why, why John Chisholm made the decision not to issue charges. And I guess we're going to be awaiting a decision that's going to be coming out, I think, on, on Wednesday. But I will be stunned if the judge decides to appoint a special prosecutor to, to bring the charges. And I will be more stunned if the charges would result in, in a conviction under these circumstances. I think Chisholm ended up getting it right. I, I was struck by you know one of the comments and we've been we've been playing the comments from the attorney for the Anderson family who is pushing for the issuance of criminal charges and you know she she says repeatedly that they, they believe that race was a factor in this and I, I comment only to the point that let's not lose sight of the fact that it's fine to say race is a factor but but Joseph Mensa the police officer is black the victims, the, the three, if you want to call them victims, the three people who were shot over the years, they, they were all black as well. So, you know, race is a factor. We'll, we'll take it with an asterisk. This isn't some, you know, renegade white police officer who's, you know, using his badge as an excuse to go and, and kill black people. This, at least they are of the same race, which to me makes the argument that, okay, race was a factor in this much much more difficult to to sell to to a court, but nonetheless, that's what they're trying to sell. Again, my prediction is this is going to go nowhere. Um, and, and even if the judge is convinced to hire a special prosecutor to bring charges, I think that the chances of getting a conviction are slim to none. So I, I don't think this is going to necessarily go anywhere, but it is in fact out there, and we'll know the decision in a couple of days. Okay, I have been following with interest. The ongoing conversations between the the Biden administration, some of the headlines, and, and some of the social media outlets like like Facebook. You know, remember you got the White House, which is taking what I think is really a kind of unprecedented step of contacting places like Facebook and telling them what comments they should allow to be posted when it comes to COVID vaccines and which comments they don't think should be allowed to be fo- be posted. And, and as I've said repeatedly, to me, that's a little bit scary. To me, it's scary that you've got the government going to a private entity and saying, OK, well, this we think this is true. We think this is not true. We think you should allow this. We don't think you should allow that. that that's kind of scary. And regardless of where you are on the on the spectrum, liberal, conservative in the middle, it should scare people, I think, that you've got the government trying to tell private agencies, in this case, that's what, the, you know, that's what Facebook is, what it is that they can allow people to hear and what it allow, they can't allow people to hear. And that my, I guess I, I would raise this for people on the left who say, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we, we've got we've to stop you know, the, this from, from going on. If this was Donald Trump who was reaching out and telling Facebook, hey, I, I think um, – I think all these comments about uh, you're, you're trying to present evidence that says the election wasn't stolen. I don't think you should be allowed to say that. Can you imagine how people would be screaming? I just think it's very dangerous, regardless of what the issue is, for the government to start telling people what's true and what's not true. And as I've argued before, when it comes to science, well, well science science evolves and our, our approach in the beginning of the covid pandemic you know we, we said don't, don't wear masks it doesn't matter then we shifted now you, you everybody's got to wear masks so it's always it's always been a shifting thing and truth is somehow elusive but there's a larger point and that's what i want to discuss with you you know the biden administration has been very clear in reaching out and saying we think facebook is killing people 
We think the fact that people have been allowed to spread untruths, I have that in air quotations, we think the people that have been allowed to spread untruths or to offer contrary opinions about things like vaccines, we we, we think they're killing people. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I know a lot of people, like myself, who've gotten vaccinated. I, I know... Others who haven't. I know more that have than haven't, but I, I know some people who haven't. In almost, I can't think of one case where a person who's made the decision not to get vaccinated, it's because of, of something that they saw posted on the Internet. In general, the people, at least that I know, who've made the decision not to get vaccinated, there's there's reasons be, behind it. Beyond, oh, they're planting microchips in these things. I mean, my, my guess is, regardless of whether or not comments were up on the on Facebook somewhere, the people that, by and large, have decided not to get vaccinated would still not get vaccinated. There, there's huge vaccine hesitancy in um, minority communities all across this country. And I, I don't think that's because of stuff they're reading on, on the Internet. And, yeah, I, I know that there's some people who are very, very skeptical of the government. But it, it's not, I think, because of what they're reading on the Internet. It's because of just their, their general approach to things. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is Facebook, quote, unquote, killing people because... I don't know. It allows some people, it allows anti-vaxxers to go onto its platforms. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and my answer is, I, I don't think so. Not in the ve- overwhelming majority of cases. I think most people who have decided not to get vaccinated have decided it not because of some, I don't know, post they saw somewhere, but because... Well, of various reasons. And if you're one of the people that have decided that you're not getting vaccinated, is it because of some Facebook post you you saw somewhere? My guess is no. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think the role of social media in this whole discussion is vastly overblown. We discuss in a minute. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, there's a lot of reasons why people are deciding not to get vaccinated. Whether it's and, and I understand some places in the mainstream media they, they try to portray this as, as political. Oh well, it's it's just Republicans that aren't getting vaccinated. Well, well, no. If you look at it's a lot of young people that aren't getting vaccinated who aren't necessarily Republicans. It's um, a lot of people in various members of minority groups, particularly in urban areas, who certainly aren't Republican-leaning, who for whatever reasons, they're making the decision not to get vaccinated. Then you've got, I mean, again, you've got, I think, some people who don't trust the government, period, and maybe they tend to be more Republican or not. But to to me, the vast majority of people who are doing it, it, it's not because of, gee, there's somebody out on Facebook that, that said this. 
in many cases, you might disagree with their opinions. They might end up being wrong. The vaccine hesitancy might, okay, might, might, might not make sense to you. But this idea that oh, we're blaming Facebook because, you know, somebody says something. I mean, I guess if you, if you believe everything you see on social media, I, I don't, I don't know what you, I don't know where you go, how you get through your particular day. 855-616-1620. Let's start with, uh, Jody in Waukesha. Hi, Jody. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What do you think? Um, you know, well, you know, we've seen a lot on Facebook where they delete things or they take things off because um, they find them not true. You know, you can't just put blatant stuff out there that's not true. They've kind of monitored that. And so, you know, I'm, I'm okay with with them putting information out about mm-hmm. the vaccine. Um, you know, I... I wish everyone would get vaccinated, and I understand some people don't for medical reasons or whatnot, but I'm afraid that we're going to be in for some trouble up ahead if we don't get a handle on these variants. I just really think think it's important, and I think I think we're going down a poor road right now um, with thinking it's all over and um, people don't need to get vaccinated. You know, the, all the so, people so are how do you th- how do you think we do it, Julie? How do you think we, uh, Jody? How do you think we do it? I mean, I, and I guess well, to, to me, it, it's not saying, OK, well, we're going to, for example, we're going to crack down on Facebook. And, and if somebody's got concerns about the vaccine, we're not going to let them express their opinion, because I, I I don't think censoring people is the way to do it. How, how do you think we well, get more only people? Only if it's vaccinated? not true. I don't mind people giving their opinion, but if Facebook looks into it and finds that it, what they're writing isn't true, I think they have every right to take it down. Yeah, I, but, I guess the question is, know, what, the, what, so let, let's say that I had the vaccine, and look, I, I'm, I'm pro-vaccine, so I'm just giving you an example. Sure. Let's say sure. that I had... I got vaccinated and I go and let's say I had Mm -hmm. an adverse reaction. I I didn't. But, you know, should I be able to go on Facebook and say, God, I got the shot and I was sick as a dog for three days and I thought I was going to die and I never want to go through that again. Should somebody have a right to if, if that happened, should they have a right to say it? You know what? That's a true. You know, if that's a true story to them. Yes. I'm not saying that they can't say their own experiences but when people try to pretend they're some type of scientist and right. give, you know your dna is going to be changed or whatever right or there's or there's or there's microchips in the vaccine that, and it's, stuff like exactly, that exactly exactly i mean people are going to have adverse effects to it you have adverse effects to the flu shot you know or whatever you're going to have a percentage of people that have that how okay let me go back um, to my basic question someone that's been hospitalized sure going to say hey get the vaccine this isn't a cup of right cup and, of tea. and again I'm, I'm not trying to talk people out getting vaccinated that's not how do you think we get more people all right the vaccines have been around for for months so it's not like for the vast majority of people that they haven't had an opportunity to do it it's because right. they've either chosen not to or they just haven't gotten around to it how do you get more people to get vaccinated well i think no matter what political party you are are on. I think every political person that has a microphone should encourage people to get vaccinated and not not put fear in their in their minds. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's you know we all have to be realistic. Yes, there's going to be people that are going to get sick from the vaccine. I think I think the far majority don't get sick from mm-hmm. the sure. vaccine. Absolutely. But I think I think. It's been so politicized that if you're, oh, I want to back Ron Johnson, 
and he's, you know, he's kind of on the fence about the vaccine. I don't think I'm going to get it. I think it's really irresponsible because I think it's leading this country down a road that we are going to be in a situation where maybe we have to close down. We have to wear masks. See, and I, I wonder whether the vast, if you look at the vast majority of people who aren't vaccinated, I, I wonder if it if it's people who even care about politics, if it's the you know, because we, we know, for example, the under 30s, huge chunk of, of people under mm-hmm. 30 who I don't think are, are I don't I don't think they care if they know who Ron Johnson is. I'm not sure they care what Ron Johnson thinks one way or the other. It's just they're right. they're 25 years old. They It's like, why bother doing this? I'm young. I, I'm invulnerable or people in in certain like some of the minority communities who have this just basic distrust of government in in general i i guess i I don't have i I, I think there's a community of people that don't like to be told what to do and so if even if even if their common sense part of their brain would say well this probably is what i should do but being you're telling me to do it i'm not going to yeah no i think no thank no thanks no i think you're you're i think thanks to the culture i i think you're 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 sort of you're you're on to something i guess I go back to my basic premise, though, and do I think people should be able to lie with impunity? No, of course not. But at the same time, I, I think I, I used to say this about like talk radio as well. I, I, I would listen. People would say, oh, this, you know, that talk radio is too influential. And I always thought talk radio I always thought those of us who do this for a living get too much credit and too much blame. <laughs> you know, and, and I mean, look, the, the truth of the matter is, if I sat here and I could spend three hours a day, five days a week, saying the sky is green, the sky is green, the sky is green, well, okay, the vast majority of you are going to say, no, Jeff, the sky is blue. I mean, I could talk myself blue in the face. I, I think the same thing is true uh, of other aspects of social of, of social media a, as well. Now, there might be people who are who are it's it's a reinforcing message that they that you go onto social media and and you hear you know you're you're reluctant in the first place to do this or you don't want to do it and you perhaps get reinforced by this and I acknowledge that that's out there but as we try to figure out ways to get more people vaccinated if that's going to ultimately be the goal I, I I'm still not sure clamping down on social media for example is is the way to do that because again I, I firmly believe without you know if, if even if you you took off you know you, you took off some of the loudest voices that are out there encouraging people not to get vaccinated I, I I I'm still not sure that people would choose to do that like I say I know very very smart people who have made the decision not to get vaccinated I don't understand it but it's a decision that that they have made for various reasons and they're going to end up having to live with the consequences then I know like I say people who have uh, people in that like under 30 crowd who just don't want to do it because they think they're invulnerable and they don't think that there's going to be any long-term consequences for COVID. And I'm not advocating that, but that's just kind of the decision that they've made. Back with more in just a minute. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right. Here's a text that kind of I think puts a, a bow and a ribbon on, on our conversation. Jeff, I feel that people at this point that have not gotten the vaccine have the right to make that decision. No one can say that opportunities and availability are no longer an issue, but personal choice is. And censoring viewpoints does not help one way or the other. I See, I agree with that. I, I think from a vaccine perspective, I think, you know, the 
we should continue to do outreach. We can con- should continue to promote availability. It's one of the reasons why I know you might disagree with me on this, but I don't have a problem with volunteers going door to door, particularly in some of the areas where you have a, a high lack of vaccination rates and-, and and offering this to people and trying to see if not people who are unwilling, but maybe people who just haven't gotten around to doing it. I, I have no problem with that. And I especially have no problem with targeting the outreach, particularly to younger Americans. Americans who've made the decision that, well, I'm not going to do it because, well, you know, why? Because even if I get COVID, I'm not going to have bad results. Now, that's the decision they've made. Um, I, I think, you know, maybe those folks are persuadable. But regardless, I think we have to take this recognition that there are people who just for whatever reason made a decision that they're not going to get the vaccine. We, we have people who smoke cigarettes. For the life of me, I do not understand why people smoke cigarettes. And I don't understand why people, you know, in today's day and age, start smoking cigarettes. Maybe it's one thing if you've been smoking for 45 years and you can't quit. But knowing what we know about cigarettes, why anybody in their right mind starts to smoke cigarettes today, I just do not understand. But people nonetheless they, they they do and that's a choice that they end up making right melissa melissa barkley i'm shaking my head yeah i mean i don't understand why someone would start now but if someone has been a smoker for 40 plus years i could see how it could be very difficult one of the quit. things and you are younger than i am but one of the things that just always amazes me is now, now you can't smoke in bars but 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 you can smoke outside of bars. And, you know, I'll go into a bar or restaurant in the dead of winter and you'll see people. And a lot of times it's young women, young women huddled together outside. the. You know, it's, it's 10 degrees outside and they're huddled outside the, the door to the bar and they're smoking cigarettes. And I'm just and, and these aren't people that have been smoking for 40 years. These are people that made the decision to start smoking in the last couple because they're not that old. Well, it's interesting because I think the tobacco companies really did a number on younger people when they started these vaping devices and making them, you know, appeal to younger kids and having them taste a certain way. That was just a new way to introduce tobacco to a new generation, and that was unfortunate. Got it. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right. Here's my here's my uh, let's see. Eric Bilstadt sends sends me this note. Rogers News. Yeah, that would be Aaron Rogers. Um, Ian Rappaport on Twitter reporting, and Ian Rappaport was one of the guys who's been reporting. Oh, Rogers doesn't want to play. Big rift. All this stuff. So Packers training camp opens, I think, formally on Wednesday. Veterans are supposed to report tomorrow. If Rogers doesn't report, he is subject to fines that cannot be waived. That's what the, the rules are, and they're kind of nasty fines. Aaron Rodgers has, in my opinion, very little leverage. And I, I've said this all along because he's under contract. I mean, he, he signed a contract. It's a multi-year contract. And, and so he has, he has very little leverage other than he can decide to retire. I mean, he can decide, okay, I'm not going to play, in which case he's going to have to give back a portion of his signing bonus and, he, and he's not going to get paid. Now, I, I'm not sure Rogers is really, I, 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 I got to believe that Rogers probably has more money than he can spend in the rest of his lifetime or that his kids or his grandkids will be able to spend in the rest of his lifetime. So I, it's not necessarily a money thing, but at the same time, 
Um, when it comes to professional athletes, they do not age like fine wine. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has, at best, uh, you know, a limited sort of shelf life. He's what? He's going to be 38 this year? Is that what he's going to be? So, you know, yes, there are, there are the, the Tom Brady's of the world at 42 or 43. But generally speaking, you know, you, you don't see too many NFL quarterbacks that are performing at a high level when they get into their upper 30s. And so you have a, a limited amount of time. So Rodgers, yes, he could say, I'm going to retire and I'm going to sit out a year. But that doesn't change anything because if he sits out a year and he wants to come back, the Packers still hold his rights. So if he wants to retire and walk away from the game while he can still play at a high level, well, yeah, I guess he can do that. He can he can just say, I'm, I'm done. But I don't get the impression that Aaron Rodgers is is done with football. Yeah, I'd like to host Jeopardy. Well, okay, you, maybe maybe he wants to host Jeopardy a few years from now. If you say, okay, you're you're not going to be able to play football anymore, so I I don't think Rodgers has a lot of leverage other than again just saying, okay, I'm not going to show up. But but there, that only gets you so far because, like I say, you're you're under contract and you're going to continue to be under contract. So Green Bay has, at least in my opinion, most of the cards. So I'm not surprised. This is the Ian Rappaport report. He says Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers has indicated to people close to him that he does plan to play for Green Bay this season. Sources say that is the ex- expectation. Many factors at play, but he says okay, that that's. That's where it stands now that Rogers is going to come back and Rogers is going to play. Now, Rogers might not be happy. Rogers might be estranged, but the bottom line is he's going to play. How well he plays, who knows? And maybe that would explain this kind of cryptic tweet that he sent out together with Devontae Adams where it said last dance. And it didn't say anything more than that. But the reference was, okay, maybe this is their one final year together or something like that. Now, okay, so he, let us assume we don't know what's going to happen. Don't know if he's going to show up tomorrow. Don't know. I, I mean, again, I don't think it's likely that he's going to retire. I think maybe he was trying to force a trade. That didn't happen. And if you follow a lot of the stuff that's in the sports world, there's not a lot of trades that are out there right now to be made. It's at the point in the year where lots of teams are, are kind of locked in. A lot of them don't have the money available to pay what Aaron Rodgers would require. Some of them, most of them, don't necessarily have the opportunity to give the Packers the value that they'd want. So, I mean, if he's going to play, and I think he is, it's more likely that it's going to be, you know, in Green Bay. And then, you know, you can assess and see where where things are going next year. But But here's what I think is the interesting issue. And it's one of the things that's been in the back of my mind during the whole Aaron Rodgers uh, situation. Goodwill is a very, very difficult thing to earn. And once you have goodwill, you can get away with a lot of stuff, right? You're the, whether it's fan base, supporters, whatever, friends. Once you're their friend, once you know they're fans of yours, they're going to cut you some slack. But there is a certain point in time where the fans turn on you. Now, you know, we, we had in the last week, you saw the way Giannis was embraced by the city, by the area, by the state, maybe by the world. And, and the general impression was, my God, this is the greatest guy in the world. Giannis has an enormous amount of goodwill. Giannis could not buy a drink anywhere in the state of Wisconsin if he wanted to walk in. He could not have buy a meal. Anybody would be standing in line to buy this guy the meal, even though he has more money than most of us, rest of us will ever see in, in our life. But he is that incredible goodwill. 
There is no question in my mind that whether Aaron Rodgers comes back or not, and let's assume that he comes back, I don't think he's ever going to be viewed the same by Packer Nation. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, don't get me wrong. People will root for him to succeed. People will hope he leads the team to another Super Bowl. If the Packers win, people will cheer. But I don't think he's ever going to be viewed the same by the vast majority of Packers Nation. And if he's not able to duplicate you know, what happened last year, I think fans are going to be very, very harsh on him. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If Roger shows up tomorrow and just kind of says, okay, I'm here to play, all is forgiven, we'll all be forgiven among the fans. 855-616-1620. I think he's burned a lot of bridges. What do you think? Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. See, regardless of what Aaron Rodgers does, I think he's, for the vast majority of, of Packers fans, I, I don't think he's going to be viewed in the same way. And, and it's, it, it's a lesson as to how quickly you can blow goodwill. Now, may, maybe I'm, I'm wrong. And I guess if, if he comes back and he plays to a high level and the Packers win the Super Bowl, well, okay, maybe, matter of fact, one of my texters makes that point. Jeff, a Super Bowl trophy would dry a lot of tears. Otherwise, I think Rodgers is um, damaged goods. Um, Jeff, in my opinion, if he returns and performs at a high level, embracing Wisconsin, he will be forgiven. Um, yeah, um, but I'm not exactly sure that that's, you know, the, that's not the, the case. Uh, I, 855-616-1620, Bill in West Bend. Hi, Bill. You're on WTMJ. Yeah. Hi. How are you? Good. Uh, I agree. Uh, I think his, uh, his long-term perception in, in Green Bay throughout the state is, is now damaged. I think most people will uh, give him a pass on the fact that given his talent and his performance and his intellect, he probably deserves some level of input that just wasn't afforded players 25 years ago. But I think uh, he needed to pick up a microphone and tell people what was bothering him about two months ago. I think this is getting uh, old. I think he's being perceived at this point as as somewhat petty and thin-skinned. Yeah. And yeah, to, I, to me, the broader issue. I'm sorry. To, to me, the broader issue for Packer Nation is are are they are are the fans satisfied with being competitive every single year, which is what the Packer management has striven to do, or do they want to push in all of their chips every couple of years, go for it? and then suffer the consequences of cap jail and all of that other stuff. And anybody under 45 does not understand or remember the dark days of the 70s and 80s. Oh, yes. Right. Right. Exactly. So that's kind of the balancing that's there. And and for me, it's hard to fault the Packers organization because even though it is true they've only won one Super Bowl in the last eleven years, they, they have been they have been competitive. I just think you know, going back to the the whole discussion about Aaron Rodgers, I think I'm not even sure winning changes things. I think people's perceptions are always going to be. I think they're they're, they're changed because he, he's always been viewed. I think, and most people have understood that he's had sort of a 
a prickly personality with, um, you know, who, a guy who's always thought he's the smartest guy in the room, and, and maybe he is the smartest guy in the room, but people who are the smartest guys in the room, a lot of times they don't carry themselves like that, and that's sort of important. And, and I think... I think that there's, I mean, a number of people who look at what's going on this summer and figure, okay, here, here's a guy who thinks he's more important, you know, than than the team. And, yeah, I understand he says, well, I, I love the team, but it's the management that's out there. Well, okay, I, I think if we're, we're fans. We're fans of Aaron Rodgers, but we're also fans of, of the Packers team. And th- this idea that, you know, you should have input into personnel decisions. And given the fact that you are being paid incredibly handsomely, I mean, it's not just shut up and dribble, dribble, but, you know, you can have opinions. But at the same time, you're being paid to play football. And if you don't like that, well, all right, you know, find something else to do. I, I think it's going to be tough to put Humpty Dumpty back together again, I, regardless of whether he shows up or not. And I think it's going to be especially difficult if, if, and I'm not hoping this is the case at all, but if, Lord forbid, he gets injured or, Lord forbid, they're not able to duplicate, you know, everything that happened last year and he has just an, an average season, I think a lot of people are going to be saying, see, it, it's it's your it's your fault, Aaron. I think he's, whereas if if he had an average season after that great season last year, but we hadn't had the off season of all the turmoil and he'd showed up for the mini camps and stuff and he was making what I think people would perceive as best efforts, but it's still, you know, we fell short. I think people would be willing to cut him lots of slack. Let's talk to Josh on the South Side. Josh, you're on WTMJ. So, Giannis really opened my eyes. I think small markets need stars, and I'm sorry. I I, I hope he does well if, if Rodgers doesn't come back, but Jordan Love isn't Farver or Rodgers, so yeah. He but we didn't, in fairness, we didn't know we didn't know that Rodgers was going to be Rodgers. I mean, I remember back in the beginning, you know, he started out kind of rocky. We didn't know Rodgers was going to be Rodgers back in the beginning. Well, but Farver also went to the main rival, the Packers, so. I'm not too rosy on him <laughs> uh, in retrospect. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I guess, you know, the, the thing, and I've said this before, the difference, and I was doing a radio show back in the Favre thing, and and I would say opinions were split about 50-50. Who was right, Favre or the Packers? But that was that was different, and it was different because Favre didn't want to retire. Favre wanted to play. The Packers forced him out. Yes, and then people were upset that he ended up going to the Jets and then going to the Vikings. But but it was different because Favre, Favre would have played the, the rest of his career for the Packers, except the Packers had decided they needed to move on. Now, in retrospect, you can make the argument that that was exactly the right call, that, that Brett was at the end of his career, and you know Aaron Rodgers was destined to great for greatness, and after three years of sitting on the bench, they, they had to play him. And so I'm not saying who's right or wrong, but back then, I, I think people cut far of a lot of slack because it was like, well, he wants to be here, and they're forcing him out. This is... It's a different situation because at least the way this has played out this summer, it's been Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to be here for, for you know for for whatever reason. He loves the fans, but he hates management or, or whatever. Now I don't know what the truth of any of this is, but that's the way the public perception is. He wants out, which is different than the Favre situation where he wanted to stay, but the Packers ended up forcing him out. Then fans got upset that he then wanted to, <laughs> to go to the Vikings and the division rival. I, I don't know how. I, I look. 
I, again, as I said at the start of the segment, one of the things that gets lost is that the Packers really do hold all the cards. I mean, the only thing that Aaron Rodgers has going for him is he can make the decision to retire. He can make the decision not to play and not show up. But, but I, that does, just doesn't strike me as being part of his DNA, that, that he's going to, knowing that you've only got a couple of years left in your career at best, that, that you're going to, to walk away. Now, I understand there are some athletes who have, in fact, walked away at the top of their game. Go with God. That, that's great. But I don't think that's where Rodgers is. I think Rodgers was trying to force the Packers to do something. You can argue whether they should have or not, but it appears that that did not get done. So now his choice is show up, play, and recognize that, you know, you're, you know, if, if your job and your hope is to try to force a trade somewhere down the line, the thing you can do is continue to perform and beat expectations. How that's all going to play out, I don't know, but I think it's going to definitely be awkward. Nothing, uh, no question about that. By the way, I'm looking at the thermometer. It's 96 degrees outside. 96 degrees. Don't know what the record high for this day is, but we got to be coming close. Stick around. Lots of stuff coming up on the program. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I want to back into our leadoff topic for this hour by telling you the story of State of Minnesota Democratic Representative John Thompson, um, who, well, he's been in office for about a year, and, and he's... I think sort of had a colorful history. That might be fair to say. He is an African-American representative who is very, very liberal. That has nothing to do with the story. But he's been enmeshed in a number of different controversies, um, including, you know, allegations of misconduct with regard to women and assault with women. But but what what's prompts, what's gotten a lot of attention lately is something that happened in the early morning hours of July 4th, 4th of July, about 1.40 in the morning, 1.40 a.m., uh, in Minnesota, they have a state law that says you have to have both front and rear license plates. Okay, that's what the state law is. So it's 1.40 in the morning, and he's apparently at a stop sign, and he drives through the stop sign. And it, he stops at the stop sign and then pulls away. There's a question as to how fast he was going, but there's no question that he does not have a front license plate on his car. There is a police car that is coming the other way and sees that there's no license plate on the car. The officer does this U-turn and goes and pulls him over. Now, I, I, I guess my guess is one forty in the morning, seeing somebody that's, you know, driving out on the roads, no license plate. My, my guess is maybe they're wondering whether the guy's drunk or not. But 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 regardless, he doesn't have a front license plate on. So the police officer, who happens to be white, does a U-turn, pulls the guy over. So he goes up to the, the window, and this state representative identifies himself as a state representative, kind of like, don't you know who I am, and says, you know, what what are you doing? He said, you profiled me. Um, th- this is Now this is all kind of captured on the body camera. He he says, you know, look, I, I'm too old to run from the police. You profiled me because you looked me dead in the face and I got a ticket for driving while black. You pulled me over because you saw a black face in the car. There's no way I'm taking you. I'm taking running from you. You looked in the car, busted a U-turn, got behind my car. That's the reason. And the officer says, no, I pulled you over because you do not have a license plate. Can I see on your front front license plate? Can I have your license, please? 
Okay, so the guy gives him his license. Officer goes back. And now, first of all, it gets weirder because the guy produces a Wisconsin license plate. Now, he's a Minnesota state representative, and he he produces a Wisconsin license plate. Now, in 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 Minnesota, like in Wisconsin and like in all the other states, you have to live in the district that you represent. So he pulls out a Wisconsin license, driver's license. Okay, pulls out a Wisconsin driver's license. Guy goes back. The cop runs it. The officer runs it, and it turns out the driver's license is suspended. So he's got a Wisconsin driver's license that is suspended. Now, as ultimately, apparently, it is suspended because he's behind in child support. And that's one of the things they do. So he's driving without a front license plate, and he's driving with a a suspended Wisconsin driver's license. Now, beyond that, then it gets kind of even weirder, because then the question is, where does the guy really live? And he says, well, you know, I lived in Wisconsin a few years ago, but I moved back to Minnesota, but I thought I might be going back to Wisconsin, so I've never gotten it changed. And, And so you've got this huge issue about, you know, now where does the guy live? Since he's gotten all this attention, now there's these allegations that women are bringing up talking about how he assaulted them or beat them up or stuff like that. So this is a very embattled state representative. But it all started because of this traffic stop because they pulled the guy over because he now his again, his line is this is driving while black. Nobody's jumping on this particular bus. (laughs) You know, as, as these details are emerging, you know, maybe maybe he would have had some sympathy if he didn't have the you know, suspended Wisconsin driver's license. But now I think even uh, like a lot of Democrats are saying, we really want no part of this because this, this is kind of, this is messed up. He didn't have the front license plate on. He's driving on an inv- on a suspended Wisconsin license plate and it's suspended, be- it driver's license and it's suspended because he's behind in child support and all this. And I think people are just saying, and this is, <laughs> this is not the guy that we, we want to like publicly endorse. And so now the allegations are coming out about like some of this misconduct towards women or the and so you know people are running for the hills right and left but but his underlying point that got him all this attention in the first place is that he should not have been pulled over you you shouldn't have pulled me over and the only reason you did it was because of my my race to which the officer and I'm not even sure you could have seen what color the guy was at at 140 at night when you're coming the other way but what that the officer noticed first was he didn't have a drive he didn't have the front license plate that is required he said and then this all kind of escalates from there all right our number is 855-616-1620 that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line i i've been thinking about this this case and how to present this and discuss it with you for a while because and and really what what gave me the hook is there was a there was a, an opinion piece in the wall street journal over the weekend and the headline is social breakdown starts with skipping a stop sign and it, it makes the point that even with fewer cars on the road in 2020, traffic fatalities are, are way up. And the author of this says part of the problem is we, we don't have law enforcement enforcing the, the small stuff, kind of like the broken windows approach when it comes to traffic law. Um, you know, and, and the, the opinion piece goes on and say that, you know, the, the police, you know, in New York, the, the police 
rarely make traffic stops for minor infractions because um, they're concerned with being accused that they're racially profiling. They're concerned that minor infractions can escalate and can lead to police shootings. And, and so there's this conscious effort that, no, we're not enforcing traffic laws. We're, we're not enforcing the, the small stuff. And the author of this piece says, look, that's one of the reasons why you have so much reckless driving, why you have so much stuff going on, because we're, we're letting the little stuff slide for whatever reason. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't know about you, but I would love to see traffic laws more aggressively enforced. On any given day, driving to or from work, I almost feel like I'm taking my life in, in my hands. Um, on the way home from work, what it would have been Friday afternoon, I, I'm watching, I'm watching somebody driving. I'm on the freeway and I'm watching somebody driving about 85 miles an hour on, on the shoulder, on the, um, you know, I would only say it's an emergency lane because it's not really the emergency lane. It's, it, you know, it's just that that little side shoulder. And there are guys passing cars like, you know, a bat out of you know what to get to the front. This isn't a zipper merge thing or anything. This is just a guy who doesn't want to wait in traffic. So he's pulled over to the shoulder and he's driving 75 or 80 miles an hour past everybody. And I'm sitting here thinking, where 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 is the cop? Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. To me, forget driving while black. Forget, oh, you're looking for a quota or things like that. When you see people who are obviously violating traffic laws, I would like to see them. I would like to see those laws enforced. I'd like to see them for enforced more aggressively. I'd like to see people pulled over. I'd like to see people given tickets. If people then don't pay the tickets or don't show up in court. I'd like to see their licenses suspended. If they continue to drive with suspended licenses, I'd like to see the car seized. And then, you know, we consider more serious penalties for people that are on the roads. I agree. I think one of the reasons we have such carnage on the roads is we've kind of had this breakdown where we don't hold people accountable for the small stuff. Yeah, you blow a stop sign at 95 miles an hour and you pile into somebody and you kill them. Yes, you will be held accountable. But what about just blowing that stop sign at 90 miles an hour? Shouldn't you be pulled over? Or what about the people that are driving with the expired tags or the no license plates or whatever? I mean, wouldn't you like to see those people pulled over as well? 855-616-1620, we discuss. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, that's an Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, I, I, I want to share a portion of a text, well, one of the texts that came in. Um, cause I was telling the story about the, this state representative who's got a, a ton of trouble. But I mean, his, his story was, hey, I was pulled over for driving while black because yes, it's 140 in the morning on July 4th. And yes, I did not have a front license plate, but that you wouldn't have stopped me regardless. And when a texter says, cops never pull white people over for stupid stuff like no front license plate. They pulled him over because he was black. Now, my larger point is, I don't care black, white, or whatever. I, I think, 
and I'm a big advocate of broken window style policing. When you see violations, you, you, you investigate, you pull people over, you ticket, you correct it. Because if you don't do that, what happens is you've motivated people, you encourage them to do other sorts of, of stuff. Now, in this particular case with the state representative, well, it's not just driving without the front license plate. The guy's driving on, a, he's got a revoked driver's license from Wisconsin, and there's all sorts of other issues that are going on. But I, I am, I do find it interesting that at least one of our texters is saying, well, okay, it's it's only black people that get pulled over for this this kind of stupid stuff like front license plates. I don't know. My my guess is, my guess is there's all sorts of people that have gotten pulled over for expired tags or things like that as well, regardless of race. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. But I mean, I I want that to happen. I want to have aggressive law enforcement. I I want to enforce the rules because what are the purposes? What's the point of saying you got to have your car registered or you have to have the license plates or you have to have a a working whatever? What's the point of having the rules if you're not going to enforce them? Jim in Milwaukee. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, hi. I just wanted to say that, you know, one of the reasons they don't want to pull these cars over because of the chase nonsense. And my concept is, why don't we tow these cars when they're parked and tow them away, and then the people either have to pay for towing and show registration and show their driver's license, or we sell the car. But that way you get the car off the road. You don't have to chase anybody. I drive through the city of Milwaukee every day. I see at least 50 cars a day without a license plate. Yep. Or even the white tag saying, I've got got one ordered. Oh, yeah. yeah. Almost always when cars passing me in the parking lane at 50 miles an hour yeah. or coming left in front of me from the right lane. Oh, oh yeah. Right. No, absolutely. Those no, cars thank- are always without... Right, without light, right, exactly, with, without plates or, or whatever. I mean, you, you see it on a regular basis. If you don't believe me, I, I was telling this story the other day. I was uh, going north on Port Washington Road, which is one of the main streets just to the west uh, of us, and, and there's two intersections in a row. Big signs, no U-turn. And the reason is they're very busy, and and if you try to do a U-turn, you're going to tie up traffic, and you're going to put everybody at risk. I see three cars, three cars, two at one intersection, and then the one at the next intersection, they're making U-turns. And I'm, I am, I'm finding myself looking around, where are the police officers? I mean, it's a prominently displayed no U-turn, and the people don't care. They're, they're doing it. Now, here's an interesting text that makes a point. I want to be consistent. Jeff, everyone wants more cops, but no one wants additional taxes needed to hire more. You can't have it both ways. By the way, I wholeheartedly agree with your thoughts on aggressive enforcement. No, I, I want more cops, and, and I'm willing to come up with the resources to, to do that. That's why, especially now that you've got a lot of cities that are flush with this COVID money that's coming in, I'd like to see some of that, um, some of that be spent perhaps to hire some police. Um, Jeff, I'm, hi, this is Bill from West Dallas. I don't care what race you are. If you violate the laws, you have to be held responsible for this. Okay, we have one of our texters that says, um, Jeff, I'm white as a ghost. I got pulled over for no plate. Um, I got left, uh, let go after explaining the why, but the officer was just doing his job um well that that's it and my guess is see in this case the state representative would have in all likelihood been let go with a warning now we don't know 
but it quickly escalated because, first of all, he cops an attitude with the police officer, which is never a good thing. But secondly, it all becomes academic because he's driving on a Wisconsin driver's license that has, in fact, been suspended. <laughs> so, I mean, at that point in time, there, there's not too much that, you know, there's not too much you can do. number of people are asking the question on the text line, well, we don't understand. how If he's got a Wisconsin driver's license, how can he be a Minnesota state resident? A lot of people in Minnesota are asking that question as well. That's the, um, you know, that's the, the $64,000 question that's, um, there. Jeff, I'm a 66 year old white guy living in Delafield, Heartland. I got pulled over a couple of years ago because of state trooper because I didn't have a front plate. I am a living example that it happens to everyone. Here's another text. Jeff, I agree with you. License plates in the city of Milwaukee seem optional. There's no consequences at all. Jeff, I'm white. I've been pulled over for no front plate. I've also been pulled over for windows tinted too dark. Just comply, respect law enforcement, and the majority of the time, they just end up letting you go. have a text here from a young lady who says, um, I got pulled over because the, the paint was blocking my, my, they, they couldn't see the fact that I had uh, the sticker on that showed that I'd renewed it, but I ended up getting pulled over. And once we cleared it up, we, we let it out. So, I mean, you know, here, here's the bottom line of all this. It, it's, it, it's, I want to see people pulled over. Now, I, I don't want to see people pulled over because of their race, but I want to see people pulled over. You're driving without a front plate. The law says you got to have a front plate. Sorry, I'm not going to be sympathetic if you end up getting pulled over. You know, if you've got expired tags or no tags, I want you to be pulled over. And I do believe that that's the start. If you have an environment where there's aggressive law enforcement that's out there on the small stuff, let, let's... Let's go after the and and look. The, the truth of the matter is, let's be honest. You know, if you start pulling over a lot of these cars that have no plates, my guess is you're going to find the cars are stolen, things like that. And you know, then you know maybe that's going to make stuff safer. You know, as it as it does. If people have, I'm not against giving people warnings. And my guess is, like I say, this state representative, if. If he had had a valid driver's license, my guess is he would have probably been given a warning and sent on his way if he hadn't been drinking. But, but, you know, that wasn't the case. So, you know, I don't buy his excuse. But bigger picture, if we're concerned about traffic safety, yes, I want the traffic laws enforced. And by that, I mean, I don't just want tickets issued. I want there to be consequences if people don't show up in court or don't pay their tickets. And let's, again, let's, maybe it means we start to take cars means we prosecute people who are violators but otherwise you you have carnage on the roadways and you know i don't want that to happen to you and i don't want it to happen to me okay when we come back we find out what john mccure has on his mind for wisconsin's afternoon news stick around